This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. From the Ritz, and you're used to that level of customer service and pampering, if you translate that into an Airbnb, small boutique property, or a small hotel, like a eight to 10 unit hotel, people are not used to that. No. So the success that you'll have when you hit the market, it's gonna be, be huge. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Emmanuel Panny. He's a real estate investor, co-host of the STR Secrets podcast, and partner at Domu Private Investments. Moreover, he's been in the vacation rental game for 10 years and has been helping new hosts transition into this emerging market. In light of the pandemic's effect on the travel industry, vacation rentals have been one of the more resilient segments compared to hotels. What's important to note in this episode is that many people in the hotel industry already have the skills needed to be incredibly successful as vacation rental hosts, but simply don't know where to start. Emmanuel shares great information about the industry and how to get started. He's also got an offer at the end of the show for those that want to break into this side of the industry. By the end of this episode, I think you'll see that there are directly transferable skills that you as a hotel professional already have and that you can leverage right away. So let's get to it. This is episode 34 of the Proven Principles podcast, Emmanuel Panny on short-term rental secrets for the hotel industry. Enjoy. Hey, Emmanuel, man. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, brother. I'm really excited. It's good to meet you. And I mean, we got hooked up through a previous guest, Antonio. Correct. Uh, and you're killing it in the short-term rental game. Definitely be an interesting journey. I am, December is going to be 10 years. So it's definitely been, I mean, the past 10 years for the vacation rental business have been exponential. You could argue that it kind of started, what, when the first crisis happened, right? Airbnb kind of came out of the last crisis and 10 years later, here we are. Yeah. So what was funny is that, I mean, these are not new things, right? Like I think we have all had the experience of our family renting a summer house and, and so on and so forth. But really the concept of the shared economy with the Airbnb and the empowering the small time entrepreneur, that was kind of the beginning of that, right? And then you see in the wave of that, there's been the Ubers, Turo for cars, right? I was just in, in Houston, Texas. I rented a car on Turo, paid yeah. less than I would have paid at an Avis. And that's someone else's car, right? It's yeah. like Airbnb for, for cars. Cars. Yeah. So I used to have two cars and that's how I learned about it because the same way I do for Airbnb, I try to apply this concept everywhere else. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, can I hack my car? So yeah. can I just put it online? It's paid in full. And then can I use that car to pay off my other car? And yeah. it was great. So now I'm a, I'm a big believer in it. And what's nice is there was two cousins. They have two or three cars. And this is what they do. It's fun it's for fun. me, you know what I mean? That's super cool. Hey, so for anybody who doesn't know what you're doing, why don't you give yeah. a high-level overview of what you're up to right now, how you got started in the industry, and, and what you're out trying to help other people do? Yeah. So 
Whew. So Big question. I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been in the industry for about 10 years, as I mentioned. I do all of real estate. I define myself as a real estate entrepreneur. I have a real estate team. So we help people buy and sell houses. I have a property management business that is both the Airbnb side and outside of that. And then I do real estate investing. So I buy medium to large size apartment buildings in the Midwest. So my beginning though was Airbnb. And my beginning was Airbnb, as I mentioned, back in 2010. I graduated with a degree in accounting and finance. I wanted to be a wolf of Wall Street. When I graduated, Wall Street was closed. It was kind of recovering from 08. And I went to university in Geneva, Switzerland. And I'm like, there's more banks than people here. I'll find a job. Went on a couple of interviews and they were like, look, man, we're not hiring Swiss people. We're never going to hire you. Like, hmm. it's just not going to happen. I'm like, okay, well, I have this degree in accounting and finance. The finance part is not very useful. Let's try accounting. Hmm. I did one tax season. I wanted to shoot myself. I'm like, the only thing that is worse than going to school to be an accountant is actually becoming one. I'm like, this is not happening. So my mom and sister were at the time living in a short-term rental community. And I moved back from college with kind of my tails between my legs. And I went to the leasing office and I was like, hey, we need this for the apartment. And the gentleman that was there, which is the guy that owned the entire place, was like, hey, what are you doing now? I'm like, what do you mean? I just graduated college. He's like, well, are you good with computers? I mean, I'm not great, but I can use an Excel spreadsheet, you know? And it's like, well, why don't you come and do, I need a maintenance guy. And I need somebody that he was a Israeli Jew. He is an Israeli Jew. And he's like, I can't work on the weekends. So when Sabbath come, I can pick up the phone. So I need you to do maintenance and pick up the phone. And that was my beginning in real estate. Huh. So I started doing maintenance in an apartment complex that did particularly short-term rentals. And then very serendipitous over the years, I've kind of like remained in that industry. And then my former boss got a divorce in 2012, wanted to move back to Israel. And he's like, hey, do you want the business? I was 22 at the time. And we don't know what we don't know when we're 22. And we're ballsy, right? We're like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We'll do this. And that was the beginning, right? So I went from being a maintenance guy to owning a property management company. Literally um, overnight. Yeah, literally overnight. And then to start little by little buying apartments. Now I own... So that apartment complex where I started working was a 40-unit apartment complex. I now own 39 out of the 40 units. And we still run and manage the whole thing. And then it kind of grew from there. And so, so that, that was the beginning of my Airbnb kind of career. And that was my part of the... American dream, right? Of coming yeah. from Italy and just kind of getting going and getting working and doing it through real estate, which is as a, as a lot of people do it. And then a buddy and I recently launched SDR Secrets, which we'll have you on next week, which is a podcast that focuses exclusively on vacation rental. And the reason we started it is because, as we were saying earlier, there is such a huge opportunity for people to create this financial freedom that has been perceived to be so difficult. But with the cash flow that you make through Airbnb, and we can talk about the different ways of owning them and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. But with the cash flow that you make there, people are making life-changing income. And my buddy Mike, which hosts the other show with me, through Airbnb, two and a half years, three years, managed to retire himself, his mom and his wife. You know, And he has time to spend time with his kid. And they work together now. 
which I mean can be a good thing or a bad thing based on 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 the couple, right? <laughs> but it's great for them. And so that's kind of our intention with it. SDR Secret also has a community behind it of 150 plus like-minded people. They're kind of all trying to figure out, okay, how do we use Airbnb and vacation rentals as a way out or towards our, our financial freedom? Man, there's so much to unpack there because I think your point about financial freedom is a huge one. There are, to your point, there's multiple ways of owning and leasing vacation rental properties that I definitely want to dive into because there's some details in there that I think are important to unpack for people. But the whole idea around people that work in hotels have got everything from being able to take care of guests, understanding what cleanliness looks like, attention to detail. If depending on what position you're in, you understand revenue management, you probably have, if you're in the front office, a little bit of accounting understanding, like you sort of have a little bit of everything that are directly transferable into vacation rental ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And there's so many people in the industry right now that are out of work or that are on part-time work and trying to figure out how to supplement their income, especially since there's no stimulus in place for people that have lost their jobs, which of course is a whole other podcast. It's a whole podcast. <laughs> so I think a really good place to start is if you have you know, an underlying understanding of how hotels work, how do you step into the short-term rental space so that you can start leveraging some of those skills and making a little bit of the money that, that we're talking about? And maybe that might actually steer you out of the hotel space into being your own boss. So, I mean, to me, and this was so excited to come on here, and you and I had an intro call and we kind of talked about this, the hospitality industry the workers in the hospitality industry, you guys are the magic, right? Like you guys are the one that makes things happen, right? Like we don't know who Mr. Hilton is, right? Like, I mean, we know mm-hmm. who it is, but like we've never been taken care of by him, right? Right. right. Is right. what their name is and what the quality of the service that you come to expect is. The great thing is that hotels are some of the smartest people and they have some of the best training out there. So as you mentioned, if you're able to reframe your perspective as to look at all this free education that I got along with my job, and you're able to then pivot that into, okay, how do I go from working for the man to working on my own business with all of these concepts that I know? I should probably shouldn't be saying this because then you guys are going to come in and be way better than I am at it. <laughs> but it's the reality of it, right? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I think that a lot of people's issues is execution. So many people talk about wanting to do something, but when it comes to taking the steps to make it happen, that's where a lot of people tend to fall down. Execution is scary. You know what I mean? Like, and I think as entrepreneurs, and that's, I think, where the, where the difference lies here, right? I don't think everybody that is in the hospitality industry necessarily has kind of grew up or fostered the mindset of being an, an entrepreneur. But because the hospitality industry does not want you to think to be an entrepreneur because their highest cost is turnover cost. So if I empower a bunch of entrepreneurs and train them greatly, shit, I'm going to teach them all my stuff and then they're going to leave. So I need to teach them my system and then make them think that it's super complicated for them to mimic them and go anywhere else and keep them being my worker bees. Because the reality is that, right? Like we need worker bees. That's exactly right. And it can be overwhelming when you're on property to see all of the different systems that are in place, all the integration that needs to happen. And you start using these big words like 
revenue management and distribution and contract cleaning and all these things, you don't, you start to think, well, I don't know the ins and outs of all of this. I don't know how to do all this myself. So I'm going to stay where I'm at because of, you know, it's a steady paycheck. And although you could argue these days that doesn't exist anymore. So that's even more of a reason to look at doing something like this. But my point is, is that there are just as many providers in the short-term rental space for all of the things that you would need to do in a hotel, like revenue management and distribution and contract cleaning and the like, that can make your transition that much easier. And I'm not, I don't want this to seem salesy and come across as like like a timeshare sale. But the point is, is that there's big opportunities out there for people who are really struggling right now. And this is a space that you should be looking at to leverage the skills that you already have. So I guess the point of all of this is that we hear, especially over the last few years, there's been all kinds of cities. Seattle, where I'm at right now, is you know famous for this, is putting all sorts of restrictions in place as to how many short-term rentals that you can actually have. And so you know, the point about getting into the space, you got to understand the regulations. And sometimes you're limited where you can't expand the business enough where it makes enough money for your work, where where cash flow is positive for you, right? Because scale is the name of the game with this. Mm-hmm. So if you were just starting out yeah. to understand the landscape, what would you do? What yeah. would be the roadmap? So, and this obviously, it really kind of varies on how much money you have put aside. So if we're going from the lowest hanging fruit to the most advanced thing that you can possibly do, right? This lowest hanging fruit is you have a two-bedroom flat or a three-bedroom flat, you live in one, you rent out the other room. Easy right. peasy. So this, you don't even have to really break your head. You already have that in place. That's all yep. you do. You put that up and you rent it here, here and there. Being an owner-occupant in a lot of cities, the regulations make it much easier. But then again, it's an owner-occupant. So the number of people that are going to be comfortable doing that are less. And just straight up house hacking. I mean, that, that you hear yeah. about that in the real estate investment game all the time. People buying it's a 100%. duplex. Yeah. yeah, correct. So that was number two, right? If it, either if you're renting somewhere or you're planning on buying somewhere, can you buy something that with this in mind is ready for it, right? Mm-hmm. So can you buy something that has a main house with an in-law suite in the back? Or can you buy something that has two or three units? You live in one, you rent out the rest. And then it starts going up from there, right? Because then that's all based on what you want to do. But honestly, once you upgrade your operating system and you start believing in yourself that you can do this, the best way for hospitality people to do it is what's called co-hosting. So what a co-host is, let's say, I know you, Adam, have a property. You're being an investor. I know about you that you have a property. I come to you and I'm like, hey, Adam, I'll help you make more money and I'm just going to manage the listing for you. I'm going to co-host it for you. That way, Adam, that as already an established investor and already has a property, takes all the expenses. And then you, as the hospitality expert, go in and then you just run it. The beauty of Airbnb is that it doesn't have to be as complicated as the revenue management system and the reservation system and the hotel system of a Hyatt or a Hilton. We're actually really dumb. Like our systems are really, really dumb because we're also a new, it's a new industry. So just now, dynamic pricing softwares mm-hmm. are coming in. Before right. it was kind of like, what's your gut feeling? What can you get for this place, right? Yeah. So the yeah. industry is very, very young. So in that sense, it's kind of like 
it's where knowing too much can hurt you. Because if you're thinking about it as how long it took you when you kind of begin your job to learn all the systems, that's going to be super daunting. With vacation rentals, you can literally go on one platform, you just own it on Airbnb, and that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. There's really not much else there. And as time passes, more and more technology is being developed to help you streamline the process. That's really interesting. I like that point. You know, don't overcomplicate it. I actually have more than dabbled in hosting for a couple of years. I hosted, but this is going back now about three years. I did it in San Francisco. Actually, funny enough, I lived right across the street from Airbnb's headquarters. And, oh, that's awesome. And the yeah. building allowed vacation rentals. And so this is just as some of the city regulations in San Francisco were starting to come out where you had to register your place and mm-hmm. kind of jump through a, f- a few additional hoops. It wasn't at the scale that it is today, but it was a really good way to just get in and kind of understand the ins and outs of it. Let me back up. It was relatively simple back then. You put a yeah. few pictures up, you write a, a profile of your place, and you uh, you can either set the rate that Airbnb sets for you, or you can do a little bit of research for what's going on around your uh, your area. Or if you want to take it a level deeper, you can look at, especially in a city like San Francisco, what conferences were going on, and you could see sort of what hotel demand is, and you can just, to your point, make a guess on what yeah. the rate should be. Pretty simple. Since then, though, has it changed at all? Have vacation rentals from host perspective and from a guest expectation perspective changed in the last couple of years? So yes, absolutely. And in so many ways, shapes and forms, right? So it is estimated right now that Airbnb alone gets about 1.4 million new users every day, right? Wow. And since, since 2009, they, have, they now have over 7 million listings worldwide. So Airbnb and the vacation rental space has now more rooms than the top five hotel brands combined. Was that that way three years ago when you started? Was that that yeah. way when I started? No. Absolutely not. No. Right? If people were just starting to get comfortable with the idea of staying in somebody else's house. And you were just starting to see the proliferation of people owning multiple vacation rental units. There was yeah. a story I remember a guy in London had like 75 places that he, and he was making yeah. quite a bit of money on famously. Yeah. And that's just exploded since then. And that's the thing, right? It's exploded. And then what's very common is that once things explode, we're going through that learning, learning pains and growing mm-hmm. pains of it. But I think what's really changing is one, there has become a lobby system also for Airbnb. It's a guy that we had on the podcast actually is called Rent Responsibly. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of there to help the system kind of learn about. So think about it. Like if we go back to when hotels were eight, nine, 10 years old, what was that industry like? And how much has it grown since? Mm-hmm. Airbnb has grown exponentially since 2009 and it just keeps growing and people keep getting in it, bringing their own individual perspectives and know-hows. So for example, the dynamic pricing software that I told you about is called Price Labs. And Price Labs was put together by a bunch of airline guys that knew the airline pricing software and how that works for airlines. And then one of them bought an Airbnb and they're like, why is there not something like what we created for airlines for Airbnb? So all of these things are coming in and going into it. And the other thing that is amazing is that Airbnb is now going public. 
and yeah, just announced become, like last week, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's becoming a household name. Yeah. So it's kind of like you don't call them vacation rentals anymore; you call them Airbnb. So the level right. of brand recognition that is around it just keeps going up, and then you start seeing commercials. I don't know if you noticed, there's commercials for HomeAway. Mm-hmm. and Airbnb. So those were all things that were not even remotely close to being, I think, three years ago, let alone when I started 10 years ago. In the hospitality space at large, it's the vacation rentals that that segment is outperforming many other segments in the hotel industry, mm-hmm. particularly right now, which has been interesting to see. The point about getting into the vacation rental space, starting out and understanding the landscape and some of the some of the nuances of it. You talked about co-hosting. There's a couple of others. That, I mean, buying properties, obviously, if you've got the cash yeah. to do that, that's that's going to be good. There's another aspect though, right? About subleasing. Subleasing or master leasing, which yeah. that's pretty much where you go in and you say, hey, I'm going to rent your place from you. And hopefully you can get it a little bit cheaper than the market rate by committing to rent it for a longer period of time. And then you get it, you put all the furnishings inside and you rent it. So I've personally done all three of the models over the years. If you know anything about real estate and real estate investing, there is a similar kind of concept that's called wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Is that's where you go and you find properties for investors and then you sell it to them and then you make the wholesaling fee on top of that. It sounds great because everybody is like, hey, there is little to no money in it and you can make a lot of money. The thing is, that is the one that leaves you the most exposed. So let's say that you, Adam, are the guy in London that is doing, that has 75 properties, but they're all sublease. And let's say tomorrow morning, London decides, hey, we're done with Airbnb. Now you have 75 rentals due in a month from now yeah. that can no longer work as what you thought you were going to do. Even if you can rent them and you still, you did your math properly and you left yourself a little buffer it's going to take you a while to rent 75 units. Oh, yeah. Right? Whereas if you are a co-host, first of all, there's literally no money in it, like zero, because you're just working on somebody else and then you put in your sweat equity and your experience into it. And even if you then look at the other scenarios, like you go and buy something, well, it's your property. So you can always decide to turn around, resell it, or you can change it and rent it long-term instead of renting it short-term. So the subleasing model, it may sound good, but it doesn't scale properly and has the most problems behind it, in my opinion and in in my experience. And with all the new regulations that that are constantly, or the changing regulations too, that are coming out around vacation rentals, you have to be aware of the dangers of that. You never know what a city's going to do, especially now with, you know, all the shutdowns and how this is all playing out. With yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. So at the end of the day, affordability also, right? Like I think affordability is a big problem when they were especially talking about a city like San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. So what is a city like San Francisco gonna do long term if they're like people can't afford to live here and we have all these people that are paying sublease rents because right. then Airbnb in it and they're kind of skewing up the market. Yeah, well, that's been the argument for putting all of these restrictions in place, is that it's yeah. driving up the price of housing. And there's all kinds of trickle-down issues uh, yeah. with that. At least here in Washington, what you've seen is people making a move towards some more rural areas or mm-hmm. drive areas, you know, drive areas where people in Seattle will go vacation yeah. or people in San Francisco will go vacation. 
those are the ones, at least right now, that seem to be doing pretty well. That's actually, you have some hard data on that. So it's actually anything within a urban city. Mm-hmm. So anything within, within a driving distance of anywhere between three to four hours from a main metropolitan hub, they're actually the ones that are doing the best. Yeah, that's the same with hotels. Funny enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's where the people tend to be going. Yeah. Um, also because people are used to traveling, so the two, three-hour flight from Florida to New York can be converted into a two to three-hour car ride. People right. are not upset. Yeah, and you get to explore time. and explore an area maybe around your city or in your state that normally you'd never go to. Yeah, and the great thing also with our industry right now, one of the reasons why it has rebounded so fast is because all the techie people that are no longer confined to their office building are traveling traveling the country, exactly. working remotely for a month here, a month there, a month here. And that's going to be a trend as this remote working kind of remains and stays now that so many companies have invested so much in it. That's never going to change. Yeah, we're not going back to the way things were. Especially you guys, especially your West Coast, San Francisco, yep. Silicon Valley area makes no sense. It makes no sense. So co-hosting, which is essentially running a property for an owner, which is just Correct. like setting up a management company, that would be the most viable way to go. The safe, maybe the safest, air quote safest way to go. Yeah, for hospitality, because you have what a lot of our students and a lot of our listeners on the short-term rental podcast do not have, which mm-hmm. is years of experience in the hospitality business. The fact that it's in a hotel or in a restaurant or in any other aspect of hospitality, that shouldn't trick you into thinking that you don't, you don't know anything. So coming for your listeners, what I would suggest is going there, because especially if you're trying to recover from a couple months of not getting paid, even if you want to do the subleasing, you're not going to have first lesson securities plus the five to 10 grand it takes to buy the furniture, decorate it, and everything else. So where do you find owners to approach to do this? So that, that is the million dollar question, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it all really depends on one, kind of like what networks and circles you hang out in. Obviously for this, you have to come to the, you have to come to the real estate side. That's where you're going to find real estate investors. But also there is power in your peers. So let's say that you're a low-level manager or you're somebody that is just getting started and you have a more experienced manager that makes more money than you do, educating yourself and bringing a new perspective and getting a group of people kind of together and be like, hey, why don't we do this, right? I've been listening to this podcast. I heard it a couple of times. I've done my research. I bought a course. Mm -hmm. I've done this and this. Why don't we do it together? Between the two of us, we have 25, 30, 40 years of hospitality experience. Why don't we do it together? And that's a pretty powerful pitch to go out to the market with. You've already got this background. You you already know how to do it. You just need a property to do it in. Yeah. And you're the expert. Up until this point, you know what I mean? Like people wanted to stay and being taken care of. Like if you're a guy from like, from the Ritz and you're used to that level of customer service and pampering, if you translate that into an Airbnb small boutique property or a small hotel, like a eight to 10 unit hotel, right? People are not used to that. No. So the success that you'll have when you hit the market could, could be, be huge. Amazing. It could, could be, be huge. huge. Yeah. yeah. And it's training that you're somebody else paid for. So you already yeah. know. 
Yeah. <laughs> to your right? point earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Early on in the pandemic, I stayed in an Airbnb in Montana, Northern Montana. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I was struck by how a well-curated property can, in the vacation rental space, can really positively affect a stay. And I don't know, I mean, and I, maybe because I'm too close to the industry, I didn't connect those two concepts. But I guess the point is, is that up until that point in the dozens of places I'd stayed leading up to that, I had never seen what that host did in -hmm. terms of bringing the local experience into the property, in terms of how the property was laid out, work area, the bed package was spot on, the kitchen was really well appointed, had everything you need. Nothing was overdone, but nothing was underdone. It was just really well thought out and executed. Yeah. What are some of the things that hosts are doing, the successful hosts are doing right now? Then mm-hmm. maybe you could talk about your experience yeah. to, to elevate the game. How, how are you, stand, or what are some hosts doing to stand out in the crowd? Yeah, so what I tell our clients all the time is one, and this is more for my crowd as real estate investors that are used to not spending money, it's quality in, quality out. So whenever you are decorating and furnishing something, it's really quality and quality out. Number two, coming from your hospitality background, understand that this is a completely different kind of property because it gives a chance to people to create a different kind of memory, right? A mm. combined memory of everybody together, having breakfast together, watching movies together, right? So it's a very different kind of level of experience. And you as a host have a have a duty to realize that when you're organizing your place, right? And you're organizing it. And then the next thing is understanding Airbnbs actually. So let's say that when you look at your typical traveler profile for a hotel, you have either vacation people or corporate people. Because that's really like when we think of hospitality, that's that's all you have. When it comes to our space, we actually think there is nine traveler categories. And I have them okay. pulled up because I never remember them all by heart. But you have vacationer, corporate, which is what we talked about. You have medical, academic, life events, entertainment, military, emergency, and relocation. So we can go back through those a little bit slower if you want. But pretty much what we tell people is if you can find a market and if you can craft your property to appeal to three to four of these traveler profiles, or more, you're guaranteeing yourself a higher chance of success, right? So when we talk about like medical travelers, we talk about people that are traveling nurses and doctors, but also people that have to travel into a city to get medical treatment. To get medical help, yeah. They don't want to stay in a hotel. They want a house because they value what? And then putting yourself in those shoes as to, okay, you're analyzing a property. I'm like, okay, if me, Adam, I'm going to Montana, this is the time. I'm working from home. So I would love a desk mm-hmm. to put a desk in there. Right. This is Montana. It's very kids friendly. So I'll probably be coming with my kids. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you have kids things. Right. Right. So it's really the way to do it well is to experience your experience mm-hmm. as you're creating it. Because Thanks. that's your power. Yeah, think about it from your guest's perspective. And give them the extra little bit that you have the power to give 
because you're not a big corporation. Well, that's a really good point. I was just going to say is that there may be, if you're working in a big box hotel, there may be things that guests are asking for that you're not able to deliver on because of whatever reason the hotel doesn't have it. It's against brand standard. There's always going to be the unreasonable, unsafe requests that, you know, that's just part of life, but you can do so much more in one of these properties to make the stay just that much better. And again, you know what to bring. If you come from a hotel background, you just, you've got this intuitive sense on what it takes to make an experience better. And that's really like, and I tell people all the time, people just want to feel like you give a shit. And it's not a rocket science, but even with your properties and and with your Airbnbs, it's it's the little things, right? Do you put little black towels to take the makeup off? Are you next to a place that has oranges? Do you put local oranges as your snack? Whatever it is, you know, we had a we had a guest on the podcast that his mom there in Tennessee, there is a cold spring. She goes and brings them fresh water from the spring when they first move in with a little note that says, hey, this is our local spring. This is where it is. We told you want to try it. Which hotel is ever going to do that? Because it's not it's not scalable when you're a hotel. Right. It isn't scalable. One of the things that I can see happening in hotels as we move out of the pandemic. Before this, so many properties fell into the trap of trying to be all things to all people. You tried to anticipate every need that anybody could ever possibly have, and then have a thing in your property to try to make sure that that need was met. And then in some cases, develop a marketing plan around each one of those individual things that you had that would meet the needs that someone may or may not have. Like it just, it got from an operations perspective, way too big, way too Nightmare. complicated. Yeah. And this situation we're in now has forced everybody to pull back a little bit and reevaluate what's important. I think it's easy for a host to fall into the same trap, to try and just overwhelm the guest with things that they think that they might need. So you, need to re- you do need to be selective and really think about things that are going to create value in the experience. Yeah. And things that actually make the experience better. So putting a super cool, for at least for you, super cool piece of furniture, is that going to make a difference? Probably not. Making mm-hmm. sure that there is plenty of extra towels, plenty of blankets that make people cozy, does that make a difference? Again, the easiest way to understand it is put yourself through it. Or I tell people all the time, I tell my team all the time when they're preparing a unit is, this is the unit that your mom and your auntie are coming in. Yeah, that's exactly, you got to prepare it. Right, um, prepare it according to mom and auntie. Like, are they going to be happy here? Are you going to be proud of providing this for somebody? It's a good rule for life. <laughs> yeah, if mama <laughs> is not true. happy, you're fucked. That's true with yeah. so many things. I want to just talk real quick about the COVID front and some yeah. of the safety and security pieces, because I think we have to talk about that when we're talking about places yeah. that people stay. So- how has this affected your business and what are you advising other hosts to be aware of in terms of practices or communication or otherwise to make sure that you're well covered? So number one, what we had noticed right from the get-go is that people are a lot, a lot more sensitive to the feeling of something not being clean. So it's really helping people understand and setting expectations. And this is a big trend for us with Airbnbs in general is you got to set expectations. Because a lot of people, if they're, you still have people that are coming to your Airbnb is the first time they have an experience, right? So the best way for you to prevent headaches for yourself 
and ensure that they have a great experience is setting expectations from the get-go. And how do you do that? Through communication. So all of our guest communication leading up to it. So like, hey, this is what to expect. And then we reintegrate it and re-say it over and over. Mm -hmm. When they show up at the property, there's a little note from our, our cleaners. Thank you so much for coming. This is everything that we've done to the property. All the surfaces are commonly touched, shared. Mm-hmm. Everything has been taken care of. Everything has been washed. Everything has been cleaned. Everything was taken out, washed, rinsed, put through the dishwasher. So even if somebody didn't appear to wash or use a plate, we rerun it. The great news into how we are approaching the industry is that I believe, and there's actually some trends out there and some studies that they're showing it, is that our properties by design are actually safer than hotels. Yeah, I've heard that stat. Right, because my every single one of my units has its own individual entrance. I have a full-size kitchen. I have a mm-hmm. full-size washer and dryer. And you have your own AC unit. You're not sharing ducts with anybody else. You're not having to get into an elevator. You're not walking through a lobby. You're not going to breakfast anywhere. And it actually gives you the opportunity to be 100% if you need to quarantine for any reason or you have to stay away from your family. It gives you an opportunity to be 100% confined to a space without ever having to leave it. Right. It's just like being at your house. It's being in your house. So when it comes to approaching objections from travelers and helping them understand, hey, why is your solution better? That's what we're saying. I think the pre-arrival communication piece is something that the great hosts understand the importance of. I mean, this is a practice, again, that a lot of the great hotels have been employing for a long time. There hasn't been the best tools to do that ahead of the ahead of the arrival. We're starting to see more of those come out now. But setting expectation, letting them know what's going on. But over and above that, let them know things that are going on in the area, things, events that maybe they want to go participate in. A little more difficult now since a lot of events are canceled, but you yeah. get the point, right? Go check out this trail, get a sandwich from this place, that kind of thing, just to integrate more of the destination into the, the stay. And also, I'm a firm believer, I have a background in sales, so that probably helps me too. But I'm a firm believer that if you let people find out, it's going to be worse. So true. You know yourself. You know the things that you're like, you get the gut feeling of like, oh, they're going to think this is dirty or mm-hmm. this is might happen, right? So we had it yesterday. We had a check-in and the previous guest had kids. The couch wasn't great. Could we have cleaned it and pulled it off? Yes. What did we choose to do instead? Hey, your unit is almost ready. The couch is a little bit dirty. We have completely cleaned and sanitized it, but I'm having a professional company come out tomorrow. That's as soon as they can do it to professionally completely clean it. It's safe and clean for you guys, but we didn't want you to think that that's how we left it for you. What is their response then? Thank you so much. That was completely unnecessary, but we really appreciate it. Right. What is the response if they show up and the couch looks dirty? Exactly. You can just imagine. These guys don't care. These guys don't care. This is how they run their place. Trying to make a buck. Is this place clean? Is it safe for me to stay in? Yeah, exactly. No different than in a hotel. Yeah. And the thing is this, my first boss taught me this, is if you miss, they'll start looking for things. So he's like, it's the details of as soon as you walk in, right? How is the kitchen? Do they open the door? Is the first door that they open clean or is it dirty? Because if the first door is, is dirty, you're screwed for the rest of their stay. That's you're gonna so be true. Running behind the ball, trying to make their experience better. One of the things that we talk about in hotels a lot is that this is why attention to detail is so important because 
you may think that one little thing is insignificant and nobody's going to notice, but the problem is that that scales. So if you've got 10 little things that nobody may notice, all those little things add up to be something that can be pretty big and really affect a whole host of issues with somebody stay at your property. The vacation rental space is no different. Yeah. You have to bring a level of intensity to how you inspect your property to make sure everything's on point. And if it's not on point, you can't rent it. Yeah. And don't think you can just drop your rate and get somebody in there to compensate for the thing that needs to be fixed. Take yeah. it offline, fix it, and then put it back up. You're going to be far better for it. Yeah. And it's also because the peer-to-peer review is what keeps you, is what breaks you too, right? Like yeah. people, if you go online, you're trying to cut corners, people will know. And you're totally. not going to get reviews and you're not going to get travelers. And then the thing that you have to consider also is that there is another sector, right? That is the, is the people come in for family events. Those people, if you take care of them, they're going to be your core clients for the rest of the time you own a property. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because those life events happen every year. It's mm-hmm. dad's birthday. It's yeah. mom's birthday. It's Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. I've had families that are coming to our property for the past nine, 10 years. Wow. Like I've seen their kids grow. Yep. Right. But it's because grandma and grandpa rent an apartment and then the sister, each one's rent an apartment and we put them all close to each other. And that's their experience. They love doing it. They come every single year. Yeah. Come back again and again. Emmanuel, we've scratched the surface a little bit on this, but there's a lot more detail. There's a lot more, we can get far more in the weeds when it comes to talking about the subject here. If anybody wants to learn more about the subject or just maybe has some questions about it, they're thinking about getting into doing this on their own, what's the best place for them to go to get a hold of you and learn a little bit more about what you do? Uh, yeah. If they have any questions, maybe they can ask. Yeah. So, I mean, SDR Secret, that's our that's our podcast. You can find it on, on iTunes. If you go to, I gave Adam a a link, we're giving away a free strategy session to kind of help you exactly with that, right? Like how do you launch, automate and scale your short-term rental or boutique hotel business? And then if you want to talk to me directly, I'm on mostly on Instagram at epani.realestate. Feel free to reach out, text me, call me. And then if you want to do business-wise, email-wise, it's emmanuel at domuproperties.com. That's D-O-M-U properties with the S.com. That's perfect, Emmanuel. And well, just for everybody listening, we'll link to everything in the show notes, uh, including the giveaway that you're talking about, the strategy session. That's uh, yeah. that's great. I really urge uh, anybody listening to take advantage of this because it's uh, it's huge. And honestly, this kind of thing, if you've been thinking about getting into vacation rental, this is the kind of thing that could really change your life. So I urge you to take advantage of this and, and get in touch with Emmanuel and, uh, yeah. and take the plunge because. Um, Uh, There's a lot of benefits here. Yeah. And I know from my conversation with Adam that this episode is probably getting dropped in the new year. So if you listen this in January and you kind of have this goal for yourself after 2020 kicking your ass, that I'm going to take my financial future in my hands and be responsible. This is the sign that you're waiting for. This is the episode that this is the thing that you're waiting for. I'm not necessarily saying Airbnb is it, but this kind of thinking or whatever you're thinking about in this moment. That's what's going to get you there. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Emmanuel, man, thanks so much for being on the show. Pleasure, brother. This was great. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Cheers. 
This was my episode with Emmanuel Penny, co-host of the STR Secrets podcast and partner at Domu Private Investments. You can get in touch with him at emmanuel.domuproperties.com or find him on Instagram at epanny.realestate. I'll link to both in the show notes. You can find the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast and you can learn more about the show on our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need to revamp your business strategy, or if you just need help with a project or someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.